Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you for joining us. As you have probably been able to tell, we have been running some footage on the program that we shot in the field at different locations where we have been preaching and ministering over the last several months. And I trust you enjoyed that change of uh, maybe style. I felt like we needed to give you just a little bit of a different style, uh, a variety of our ministry that we're not just in the studio, but as a mobile traveling ministry, we are somewhere uh, all over the world. Uh, matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, we just got back from Brazil. Just absolutely phenomenal uh, move of the Spirit and impact in that great nation in Brazil. And uh, we just uh, are thankful to be back in the studio and back in the United States. But uh, of course, we travel all over the United States as well, all over the world. But if you would like to follow us and find out where we are going to be, uh, the website that comes up on the screen, and it's on the screen right now, uh, will uh, certainly give you a way to check our itinerary. We'd love to meet you. We've been meeting several of our uh, our television audience, different places we've been in Tulsa and different places where you've come up to us and said, hey, we've been watching you on the program. And that really does encourage us. Sometimes when you are broadcasting on this level, you have no idea the amount of people that you are reaching. And, uh, you know, I was amazed even when I went to Brazil. Uh, I mean, of course, we, we, we broadcast through this network in the United States, uh, but our uh, YouTube channel, which is uh, what we upload our TV program to after we air it on this network, we usually upload it that following week to the YouTube channel. And our YouTube uh, channel is getting uh, such traction and audience because people can watch it on demand. And I might encourage you that if you are watching this and you would like to watch uh, and review and maybe do some study notes out of it, you can go to our YouTube channel and you can watch it. Also, our podcast and RSS feed for your audio device is available. And again, the easiest way to do that is to go to lenhouse.com. That's my website. In the upper right-hand corner, there are icons that will take you directly to our YouTube channel. Now, we're all over YouTube, but my, I have my channel, Dr. Lenhouse, that you might have life, and it will take you uh, right to that channel. And I was amazed at the power of a camera when we were in uh, uh, Brazil, especially that there were literally, literally thousands of people who attended the meetings that we were in as a result of being able to put this up on YouTube. So to our partners who have helped us, let me say to you before we even start today, thank you from the bottom of our heart from uh, your support to this ministry. We really truly are making a difference. Uh, matter of fact, my wife handed me a letter this morning from uh, one of our viewers of a man who was in his 80s who had uh, been taken to the hospital in August of 2021. Uh, he already had COPD and uh, he got COVID-19. They took him by ambulance to the hospital. Uh, they did everything they could do. The doctors told him he was dying. And he said that on about the 20th day when they just, there was nothing else they could do, he said he just really began to 
really reach out to the Lord, and the Lord turned it around, and the next day they took him off of the, uh, the hot oxygen and put him back on regular oxygen, and in just a little while he was completely recovered, and he wrote me a letter, said that was two years ago today, and he said even his COPD was cured. Uh, the Lord healed and made him, said he said to the nurse, he said, uh, thank you uh, uh, so much, and, uh, and, and he said to her, I am a walking miracle. And he said that nurse looked at him and said, I am too, because I was healed of an incurable cancer seven years ago. And she said, I'm still a walking testimony to the power of God. So I just want to share a few of those things like that with you so that you're encouraged also to know that we truly are making a difference. And thank you from the bottom of our heart for uh, your support to this ministry. And if you'd like to, to continue to support or you'd like to become a monthly partner, again, you can easily go to our website and set up a monthly debit if you'd like to do that. Or you can send in checks or money orders. Or you can call the number that will come on the screen at the end of this program. Today, we're going to start a new series. I don't know how long it will take us. You know how that goes if you've been watching us. But I've been sharing over the last uh, a few months uh, uh, some things from the book of Judges. And I know that you've been watching the television program, and a few of the uh, programs that we have uh, aired have had some of the snippets from the book of Judges. But I wanted to come back and kind of, in this kind of a setting, I can kind of deal with a whole lot more details because um, uh, it has really changed since COVID. A, a lot of our three-day meetings have been shortened to one day or to Sundays, and uh, that's becoming difficult for mobile ministries. But uh, it's, uh, it's also difficult for me to unpack very much because I, I, I could only got just one, one shot or just a couple. So we're going to be able to, in the studio, to unpack this a little bit. So we're going to just introduce it uh, again today on the program. And let me just start by saying every key to every book of the Bible is probably located somewhere near the door, I call it, or the very opening remarks. It's almost like you hiding the key to your house. The key to your house is probably hidden under your mat. It's in a magnetic thing under your grill. It is uh, maybe in a, uh, a thing that looks like a rock in your garden or on a nail under your deck. In other words, sometimes keys are hidden near the door. And uh, I, I think it is incredible how these books unfold because before we come to the book of Judges, the book of Joshua opens by saying, Now Moses, my servant, is dead. And then he begins to call Joshua to arise to take the people into the promised land. Now, to me, that's the key to that book. Moses is dead. Joshua, which is the Hebrew name Jesus, Yeshua, is now on the scene because Moses brought you out with a rod but Jesus is going to bring you in with a mercy seat. And so there's a shift from a coming out mentality to a going in mentality. Uh, you know, a, a great deal of my ministry has been to reach people who still think they are under an old covenant. They, are, they still think they are under the law of Moses. And especially the book right here, matter of fact, on the table that you can get through Amazon or through our website called From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. It's a great book. You probably want to get that and order it. But that book uh, talks about how 
there's an exodus paradigm. And if you've watched our program at any amount of time, you've heard me talk about coming out of Egypt, coming out of the bondage of legalism, coming out from underneath of Moses into the new covenant. But when you come out, there's a lot of stuff that we come out of. And, and for many years, I, I think it really is kind of tragic in a way. Now, here we are in 2023, and it is almost a task to convince the church that we are not under the old covenant, that we are not under Moses, that you cannot be justified by the works of the law. There's no flesh that's justified by the works of the law, God pointing to us that it had to be by the hearing of faith. But I have preached, and many have preached, that we're not under law and what we have come out of. But I think at this stage of the game, especially with those who have been in what I, I think they call a deconstruction movement, if you deconstruct and you don't reconstruct, you are going to self-destruct. Because there's a lot of stuff you came out of. And the reality of it is, even when I wrote the book From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift, and I'm talking in that book about what we've come out of. And, and uh, John the Baptist in Matthew 3 said, repent or turn about for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Greek word for repentance there means to change the way you think, to shift or to turn about or to change one's bent. And so if you turn from law and you turn from legalism, that's only half the equation. What we turn from is only what we've come out of. It's what we turn towards that I think we need to start to emphasize. And when they came out of Egypt, there was a whole generation that died in the wilderness during that 40-year uh, transition period from uh, Egypt to the Promised Land. But there was a generation that were born in the wilderness who did not know the whips and chains of an Egyptian system of bondage. Because under the Old Covenant, we were slaves and servants. And in the New Covenant, we're sons and we're heirs. And so when you begin to make that shift from an old covenant to a new covenant, I think that, there, that people have been coming out so long that now they don't know how to shift from a coming out mentality to a going in mentality. So there has to be a shift. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I sometimes think in terms of, you know, when the man has ceased, it was like all of a sudden, can you imagine for 40 years, God was divinely supplying manna on the lawn every morning, angels were delivering, hand-delivered manna from heaven for them to feed on and to eat. And they were sustained through the wilderness for 40 years by several multiple miracles a day. And then can, can you imagine that all of a sudden the manna ceases? And so when the manna ceased at the end of the wilderness journey, uh, that made me think of some things. You know, sometimes I, I, I think that, well, you know, when we uh, have been, especially those of us who are an older generation, like me, and we've seen the miracles that God did through our days in legalism and to bring deliverance and to bring us out and some of the miraculous things that God did, and then all of a sudden, it seems like in this last season, it has almost dried up. Now, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God doesn't do the miraculous. I'm simply saying that when the manna ceased, it was to prod the people to go into the promised land and eat from the fruit of the land. Now, when I think about the, the, the promised land, in my estimation, or if you've followed our ministry any length of time, you've heard me teach on this, 
But according to the fourth chapter of Hebrews, the promised land is not a place, it's a people. And our, 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 I mean, that's not a place, it's a person, and that person is Jesus. It is rest in the finished work of Jesus. Our promised land is when we get in Christ in the new covenant, we have entered into our promised land where there should be an outflow of milk and honey. And so when I'm thinking about the manna ceasing, I'm talking about the miracle that sustains you from day to day to being able to walk in the realities of what it means to live out of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So whenever the manna ceased, it was because the people were going to eat of the uh, corn of the land that year and from the fruit of the land. In other words, it was a shift from being able to not just have to live on a miracle a day to being able to, to be sustained where you don't need a miracle every day. You're walking in health. You're walking in victory. You're walking in life. You're walking in, uh, uh, you know, uh, an overcoming lifestyle because you are now feeding on the corn which speaks to me of the death of Christ because he said, except a corn of wheat fall on the earth and die, it abides alone. So when we feed on the, the bread of that promised land, then that, uh, that is why sometimes I think that it seems like one dimension of what we have known dries up. I got a note from someone recently that uh, had gotten a hold of an old uh, message that I'd preached years ago from the Song of Solomon and it really made me rethink, made me think, not rethink, but think about uh, some things that I'd preached way back that I even forgot I'd preached. But, uh, you know, uh, in the Song of Solomon, it appeared to the woman in the Song of Solomon uh, that, uh, that her beloved had left her. And so she says, my beloved, I have rose to my beloved, but my beloved had gone, or she thought he had gone. Uh, and really he had not gone because in the new covenant, he'll never leave you or forsake you. But she said that what had happened was she, he had brought her, I believe it is in the Song of Solomon, to the secret place of the stairs. And when I thought about the secret place of the stairs, I was thinking about how, you know, if you have a set of steps in your house, there's a riser and then a step, a riser, then a step. Uh, and, and, and it's like uh, years and years ago when I first preached that message, I was thinking about how I felt like I had hit what I thought was a wall. And I hit this wall and it seemed like I'm talking about a spiritual wall. Maybe you've never come to that place. I don't know why I've kind of sidetracked on this, but I feel like to go ahead and flow with this in this first segment, even as we're introducing the book of Judges. But uh, as, as, as I came to this place in my walk where it felt like you know, God ain't acting like He's supposed to. It feels like I've hit this spiritual wall, and I, I can't seem to get over this wall. And it, it, about that time, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, you kind of uh, receive an invitation to go to some conference, and they've got you know seven steps on how to, uh, you know, to get over this wall. And so you go to that conference, and you buy the CDs and the books and the uh, you know the syllabus and. You come home and six months goes by and the wall's still there. And then you hear of another one that says, hey, you need to walk around the wall. You need to march around the wall seven times. And so we marched around the wall. And then we get the anointing oil and we anoint the wall. We pray over the wall. And then we rebuke the wall. And then we bind the wall. And then we loose the wall. And then we try to run through a troop and leap over the wall. And it seems like every time we do splat, we hit the wall. It's almost like a Garfield commercial. A splat hits the wall. And at one point when I'd come to the end of that and was almost frustrated with and even sometimes going through 
a crisis of faith. I believe that people a lot of times will hit something in their life where God is not acting like He's supposed to. And they hit this crisis of faith. You know, I'm even reminded of where uh, John the Baptist, when he was about to be beheaded, he said, go ask Jesus, is He the one or should we look for another? And uh, His disciples went to Jesus. Here's John the Baptist who boldly declared on the bank of the Jordan River, right there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He boldly declared that, but he's about to lose his head and he's in prison and he sends one of his disciples and says, go ask him, are you the one? And Jesus looks at uh, the disciples and said, go tell John. You would have thought that Jesus would have given him a straight up answer. But instead he tells him, go tell John the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the poor have the gospel preached to him. He's reminding him of his first public message where he got the book of Isaiah and said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And I think one of the reasons that John the Baptist was having a crisis of faith was because he perceived or thought Jesus would come in the Malachi version of, of, uh, you know, he's going to come like refiner's fire, like fuller's soap, and he's going to purge the sons of Levi. He's going to smite the earth with the curse, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, the things that, that uh, uh, John the Baptist was thinking concerning how Jesus would come. But instead, Jesus did not come in the Malachi version first. That came later in 70 AD. But when Jesus came in the Isaiah version saying, He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, I think that simply reminded John that there are, there, there's a whole lot more to him than you think there is. So when God's not acting like He's supposed to, don't give up. Don't turn your faith off. Just look and see, maybe God is about to do something bigger. Maybe if He's closed one door, He's going to open another. Maybe if the manna ceases, it's because He's about to bring you into your promised land where you're going to eat the corn of the land and you're going to partake of what is available in that, uh, in that, in that uh, uh, promised land. And so as we come back even to what I was thinking about in the Song of Solomon where he says, He brought me to the secret place of the stairs that it almost seemed like I'd hit a wall, but I hadn't hit a wall at all. When I hit that, what, what I felt like was a wall after trying all the stuff that I just talked about, anointing it with oil, shouting at it, walking through it, trying to leap over it, marching seven times around it. Finally, the Lord said, walk back up to the wall. <coughs> so I, I, I went back to what I thought, if you could just picture this in the Spirit, to what was a wall. And the Lord says to me, the first thing, He said, this is not a wall at all. It's the riser to a step. You have come to the end of one dimension of glory, but you're about to come into another dimension of glory, from glory to glory. So the, the wall was not a wall. It was the riser of a step. And we all come to some place in our journey where we hit this wall, and we hit it at different times. And then as I reached up, and if you could just picture this spiritually and kind of pull myself up over the wall, there's glory for as far as I could see. And the Lord says, I'm just about to bring you into another dimension and another understanding of the realities of the gospel and of the new covenant that you've not uh, experienced before. So this is not a wall. It's the riser to a step. And although transition is difficult, and sometimes it seems like God is so distant and so far away, trust His promise. I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. You say, yeah, but what if I did something wrong? I will never leave you or forsake you. Well, what if I went through a battle and it seems like I've lost my faith? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul the Apostle said in Romans, what can separate us from the love of God? Can distress, can peril, can tribulation from life, death, things above, things beneath, high or low, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And so while the book of Joshua is about uh, moving from Moses, what we've come out of, to what we've come into, I think there has to be, at this season, a massive paradigm shift in the way we think. And one of the things that I'm going to emphasize, and again, this is the build-up and the lead-up to introducing the book of Judges, is that uh, uh, God said to Joshua, hey, there's a whole generation of people who are 40 years old and younger. And it's amazing to me as I've traveled that those that are really able to begin to make this shift right now from an old covenant into a new covenant are people that are about 40 years old who have never experienced the things from the old covenant. My youngest son, Jason, who is, by the way, also uh, kind of an associate pastor with my brother, my youngest son, uh, he was saying to me the other day, Dad, you know, there's a lot of things that you talk about that you came out of that I never experienced. I don't remember the bondages of the legalism that you talk about you came out of. I, I wasn't born in Egypt. I was born, if you will, kind of in the wilderness or in Zion. And so uh, they have a different way of thinking. And, uh, but what the Lord said to me uh, through even the, what He said with Joshua, He said, you know, there's a generation that have come out of Egypt that were not circumcised. Now, before you think I'm going to take you back under the law and talk about circumcision, under the Old Covenant it was literal, natural circumcision, the cutting away of the natural flesh. But in the New Covenant, circumcision is the circumcision of the heart. As a matter of fact, he says in Romans chapter 2, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, whose circumcision is not of the flesh, but his circumcision is of the heart. So what God is doing in the new covenant is he's doing a deep work in the heart, because see, law can change your behavior, but grace will change your heart. And so I think that's the shift that's coming to our uh, next generation in this season is we are shifting from a coming out mentality to now it's time to go in and it's time to possess the land uh, that God has called us to possess. And, I, I, and that's, uh, you know, more than just a piece of real estate. That's living out the realities of the stuff that belongs to us that's in the promised land. And so, you know, with that being said, we've come over then into the book of Judges, and this is kind of just the very beginning of the book of Judges, but the very first verse I'm going to read to you from the book of Judges, because Judges follows Joshua. Now remember, Joshua starts out by saying, Now Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, arise and take the people in. So Moses brought you out. Yeshua, Jesus, is going to bring you in. But then the book of Judges opens with another powerful key. He says in this in verse 1, Now after the death of Joshua, Said another way. Now, after the death of Yeshua, said another way. Now, after the death of Jesus, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up indeed. I have delivered the land into his hand. And so here's the book of Judges opening, 
and is saying now after the death of Joshua. So the book of Joshua, I'm sorry, the book of Joshua is after the death of Moses. Now the book of Joshua is what happens after the death of Jesus? Well, in the New Covenant, or the New Testament, let me say it like that, in the New Testament after the death of Jesus, our Messiah, there are 12 apostles who sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. But when you go to the book of Judges after the death of Joshua, these are not accidental things, folks. There are 12 judges that arise to judge Israel. And every one of these 12 judges does something in the visible realm that is a picture of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ to execute the judgment that is ours in the sense of what we should be partaking of. For instance, let me just give you this as a hint. We're jumping way ahead to Gideon, but Gideon is threshing wheat, and he's hiding it under the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the Lord appears to him and says, Hey, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with thee. And he said, If the Lord is with us, where are all his miracles? And, but what, what Gideon was doing was threshing wheat and hiding it under the wine press. And so when he was hiding it under the wine press, that to me speaks when you see wheat and wine, that speaks to me of bread and wine, which is symbols in the new covenant of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Gideon is a picture of being able to tap into what the death of Jesus actually exacted. That's what the book of Judges is going to be for us over the next several weeks, is we're going to unpack this in a way to show you some very powerful pictures that I think help us communicate the gospel in a way that you can see uh, what the death of Jesus exacted and how you and I can by faith walk in the realities because it's one thing for them, they moved into the promised land, but there was a lot of stuff that they had not yet conquered or possessed. And they were, uh, and the Lord began to encourage them, you need to go conquer the enemies of this land and dispossess some things. And the Lord said to me a number of years ago, you need to diss what's dissing you. I said, Lord, what are you saying? He said, you need to diss disappointment because you've got appointment. You need to diss dis-ease because disease, even in our bodies, is a lack of rest and ease. We need to diss discouragement because we ought to have courage in the things of Jesus Christ because of the things that He has accomplished for us to be able to live out and to uh, express what He has done in our lives. But as, as we'll see when we get in the book of Joshua, or Judges, I'm sorry, in the book of Judges, the people were willing to live with some things. And I would ask you as we get ready to close, what are you willing to live with? Because what the Lord does in the book of Judges is challenges them and says, listen man, what you have allowed to live in this land it's going to be a thorn in your side if you don't drive them out and operate, if I can say it like this, in the reality of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So uh, that's what the setup for the book of Judges is, is executing the judgment written. Be sure you tune in every week because we're going to unpack this over the next several weeks. If you, we've been a blessing to you and you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry, once again, there's a, a link on the screen where you can go and give via credit card or uh, debit card. You can set up a monthly debit or give a one-time gift. You can send a check or money order to the uh, address that will be on the screen, or you can call the number 
that's on the screen and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message. They will return your call. We have a limited staff. God bless you. Join us again next week at the same time. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.